the trade market is starting to heat up. Franchise tags are starting to get designated, and we cover 10 more of the big name free agents. Welcome to the Goal Line Fade Podcast. Keeping consistent with the way that we've opened up our episodes the past couple weeks, um, I mean, there hasn't been too much on the NFLPA front, but uh, something that stood out to us from a news perspective from this past week was uh, the NFLPA's president, I believe, Demoris Smith, was confident that the players would approve the CBA. So I think it was last episode we talked about this, that um, where it's currently sitting is the owners have approved the proposed CBA so it now has to go to the players. And when the players voted, I believe it was 17-14 in favor of actually accepting the new CBA um, with one team abstaining to vote or like not using their vote. Um, so right now it's actually with all of the players. So each individual player has their own vote and all they need is a 50% majority um, or 50% plus one, whatever the, the formal saying is. But I mean... It is realistic that within the next couple weeks, if not this week, the NFLPA could actually approve this. Um, yeah, Demora Smith, though, was, was confident that the players will do that. And everything that I'm hearing on social media is a lot of the players don't have confidence in Demora Smith, or they don't always believe that he's um, representing them the way that they would like him to. So it feels like there's a lot of politics between the between the lines here that maybe people aren't seeing, but that players are, are very aware of. Yeah. It's such a weird combination of news that we have coming out because we talked about this last week, but it's like that dichotomy between old and young players with the 17 game season and now having to wait so long for the player vote to come in. It's almost, you almost can forget that that happened because of all the combine news this week and some of the trades and all these other things. But um, the players are in the process of voting right now. So we really are just waiting to hear where this lands and who knows like you said we could have a new cba by the end of the week or early or early next week yeah absolutely and that's that's the thing that's um it's interesting too because we bring up the cba and we talk about it and yes it is the business side of sports and well that's not the the most fun thing to talk about it has a lot of ramifications um again we talked about 17 game schedules right we've talked about a bunch of different things that are part of the um the list of items that the owners have approved but there's some other things that, I mean, we, we're we hearing about now, right? Like all these players that are going into free agency. I'm hearing that a lot of CBA talks are sort of delaying the way that teams are approaching free agency or, or delaying some of the conversations that teams are uh, maybe planning on having with some players that they should be looking to re-sign. I, I, I've heard that that's um, some of the reason why the Patriots have held off having conversations with Tom Brady thus far is because they want to let the CBA sort of sort itself out. Uh, before they begin that conversation. So it's really interesting to see um, how will, how teams will approach free agency, knowing that a CBA could be approved within the next couple weeks. Or if it doesn't get approved before free agency starts, does that automatically mean that we're waiting till next offseason for the CBA to get approved? Um, the timing of this CBA and the way that it translates into free agency this year is going to be, uh, I think, uh, something <laughs> very, very large to watch. Like, I think a lot of things will change. A lot of projections will change based on um, when that CBA gets signed in relation to free agency starting on March 18th. Yeah, this will be the first domino of many when it does fall, whether that ends up meaning that they're going to sign this and we'll be going in with a new one, or if the players do reject it, I wonder if that just means we're going to be waiting until next offseason. But um, yeah, like always, these are such like 
it almost feels like we have no idea. Like often you kind of have a sense of what way things are leaning, but this time around, um, I don't know. DeMar Smith's confidence maybe seems a little bit misplaced. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, there's Again, there's a lot of players that are outspoken that either they don't have confidence in him or they're very opposed to this proposed CBA. So um, just because a few people, and I mean by few, I mean there's quite a lot. So I don't mean to understate the amount of people that are, are saying they're not in favor of this, but um, who knows, right? Like the, the vast majority out there might be that, uh, you know, might be in favor of this, but it might just be those that aren't are making the most noise on social media. So definitely uh, one that we'll have to watch. But getting into more of the fun stuff that comes with the offseason, we saw quite a few, um, you know, big things happen this week, uh, specifically two trades, actually. So one of them was a trade that um, wasn't really expected to happen or I I didn't think was going to happen. So A.J. Boye got traded from the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Broncos for a fourth-round pick. I had heard that A.J. Boye was actually at a risk for being cut, or was a, a cut candidate in Jacksonville. So it was surprising to see that move happen. Um, or again, like not surprising that the Jaguars moved him, but the fact that uh, it happened via trade. And I mean, a fourth-round pick, that's quite a steal for the Broncos. Well, that's, that's the hard thing. Is it a steal? A.J. Boye had a bit of a down year, for sure. He does not look like um, the lockdown corner that he looked like in Houston, but if the Broncos are able to like just squeeze out of him what we've seen before, they're essentially replacing the expensive Chris Harris with the slightly younger but also expensive A.G. Boye. So for a fourth-round pick, like man, I'm taking a good cube, or good cornerback, even with a relatively high-paying contract. But um, it really was just a matter of, well, the Jags were going to cut him anyways. The Broncos put an offer down, and they got yeah. themselves a pretty solid player for pretty much nothing. Yeah, I would agree. It's a, a great move for the Broncos. Um, if the Jags are looking to move on, that's fine, right? All of their secondary from that 2017 season when they made it to the AFC Championship is now gone, uh, either through trades like Jalen Ramsey moving on or uh, releasing some players as well. So their whole secondary that made them so great a couple seasons ago is now all moved on. So it's interesting. But talking about that 2017 season specifically, A.J. Boye had... I mean, that was one of the best seasons of his career, if not the best statistical season of his career. He had six interceptions, 18 passes defensed um, in that year. And in the last two seasons, he's only had one interception in each of those years. And he's also had eight passes defensed um, in each of those years again. So you're right, right? He's not coming off um, maybe his best seasons, but seeing what he was able to do in 2017, this guy definitely has all the tools and he definitely has the skill set to perform. So if the Broncos are confident that they can get him to that level yeah i i have no doubt that this is a great move uh for the broncos and you're right for the jags to get some sort of compensation if they were planning on cutting him like good for them they got something the other big move that uh that happened this week and it actually just happened today a couple hours ago but um the panthers and the chargers actually decided to flip offensive linemen in a a one-for-one trade which i will admit is quite weird Um, Trey Turner, who's been a pro bowler from 2015 to this past season, uh, he's the right guard or was the right guard for the Carolina Panthers. He was sent to the Los Angeles Chargers. Well, Russell Okun, the left tackle for the Los Angeles Chargers, is actually being moved to Carolina. So this was an interesting move. Um, Trey Turner is a very great uh, right guard. 
you know, he's young, he's only 26 years old. Whereas Russell Okun, he had some health issues that, you know, really hurt him this past year. Uh, I think he only played in six games or something along those lines. And he's 31 years of age. So, um, yes, left tackles are very valuable. But for the Panthers, this felt like a really weird move. Yeah, the the, the Panthers just got fleeced, right? Like, that's, that's what happened, as far as I can tell. You get a young, really talented guard, and you trade an old, not-so-talented tackle away as the Chargers. Like, they're making about the same amount of money. I, I really don't understand what the heck the Panthers are doing with this move. But, I mean, there is something to be said for the left tackle position, right? Like, like it, is it's Russell weird to... Okun really one of the guys who you'd put high on that list? Not necessarily. So, I, like, I completely agree with you, but I'm, at first I thought this was, um, yeah, at first I thought it was, you know, kind of weird. It, it just does not seem like it's a fair one-for-one one trade. It feels like if this was something you proposed in Madden, it would have been rejected if you were the Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I, I, I think it is that, like guards aren't considered as valuable as tackles and to get a, uh, you know, mediocre tackle or, or someone who's can compete for that job as a left tackle, maybe they see it as worth it. But I, I would agree with you that uh, it didn't seem like a great trade overall for the Panthers, but Hey, if you're the chargers, you just got a great right guard to help shore up that offensive line. And yeah, now you don't have to worry about drafting that necessarily. You can go after, um, yeah, fixing up some other portions of that offensive line or... Or, or a left tackle. <laughs> or, yeah. But uh, again, like Russell Lukun wasn't there for that much of the season this past year, right? So you've no. had you've had some solutions uh, in Los Angeles. Or if you want to go in and draft someone in the early rounds, hey, you have the capability too. So, nope, the Chargers are, are sitting not too bad right now as it stands. But uh, yeah, there was lots of offensive lineman news this past week, actually. Um, so there was that news that just happened today again, but there was also news that um, apparently the Houston Texans and Laramie Tunsil are discussing a new deal and it's, it would put him at approximately 19 million annually. Um, he's a, he's a, like, he's a big name tackle, right? He's a, yeah. one of those guys that he's going to be probably the top paid tackle at some point in his career, if not in the next couple of seasons. Right. So that would blow it, it away is, the highest paid tackle in the league right now, though. Because it's Nate Solder, right? It's Taylor Lewan at 16 a year. Oh, okay. And he would be like ninth. That's crazy. That's like such a massive resetting the market type of contract. It's true. And again, there's so many CBA considerations here too. If the salary cap bumps up a considerable amount, 19 million isn't all that big anymore. Sure, true. it resets the market this year, but maybe in the long run, it wouldn't do all that much. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, again, it's so weird just how the Dolphins sort of shipped all these, uh, you know, in my mind, great players, right? They got rid of uh, Laramie Tunsil. They got rid of Kenny Stills. They got rid of Kenyon Drake, right? They got rid of um, some guys who are having success with other teams. And yeah, I mean, Tunsil and Stills came over in the same deal. But anyways, it's uh, it's interesting to see sort of the I mean, just Laramie Tunsil's career, if you look at the night from when he got drafted and all the, the hoopla that happened that night to where he is now, I mean, good for him to be able to make uh, or to be in a position where he could make $19 million in a year. That's good for him. And then, yeah, the um, Texans traded a lot to get him. So for them, you know they want true. to lock him up long term. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, 
in this league when you can find a left tackle that you're confident in and that uh, you have no problem with protecting your quarterback, right? Um, if you find that guy that fits that solution and you know he's going to be protecting your quarterback quite effectively, you want to make sure you lock them up. So good to see the Texans doing that and getting Deshaun Watson some uh, very much needed protection over the course of the next couple of years. Um, another interesting piece of news coming from the offensive lineman front is that Trent Williams, uh, apparently he wants a new contract from the Redskins or to be traded. And I mean, this is something that I think we've talked about in multiple episodes, just uh, like what's going to happen with him. I think near the trade de- deadline, we talked about him. Um, maybe it was early last year when he was put on IR or whatever the, I can't remember the flow of different times that we talked about him, but I sort of assumed when Ron Rivera became their head coach and when they had the, um, yeah, huge swing in coaches there, huge changes in coaches this year. I assume that that might change. I assume that uh, Trent Williams might get the, give the Redskins a chance to uh, to work out the situation with him, but it doesn't look like that'll be the case. Which if he does, like, because remember he was always claiming it wasn't about the money, it was about the medical staff handling his thing poorly. So whether, like, if he resigns them, that's, Prove that all that was crap and it was always about the money but I mean he deserves to get paid he's great he's a player that we want to see on the field a, a really really good young left tackle so um, of course Ron Rivera would love to keep him especially if I mean whoever their QB is Dwayne Haskins or these rumors now that the Redskins might even be looking at taking two at uh, number two overall I mean it's uh it's out there right I think um yeah i'm seeing the combine this past week uh all the different players all the different um times i mean isaiah simmons <laughs> he also oh just gosh. absolutely d- demolished every number or every projection for where you thought he might go if you had him outside of the top 10 you're officially wrong um yeah there was a lot of swings after the combine and one of them was the redskins um uh, being rumored to not necessarily being out of the Tua conversations as well. So if you imagine Joe Burrow goes number one overall to Cincinnati and Tua goes number two to the Redskins. Um, I mean, good for the Dolphins who now have the opportunity to get Chase Young. But anyways, it's uh, it's an interesting future for the Redskins. If they draft well this year, and I, I'm very confident in Ron Rivera and think that he can uh, turn this team around and make them into maybe not a playoff team, but a potential contender right a, an eight and eight team or if the cba gets past an eight and nine team but um yeah what are your thoughts would it be silly of them to go out and get to a i think okay like and i'm i don't think Dwayne haskins is great i saw a list on twitter this week that was like oh top 10 qbs under 25 and they had haskins above uh gardner Minshew at number 10 and i was like heck no he's not like <laughs> Dwayne haskins did i say true Dwayne Haskins has been not good at all. Um, he's that's shown... not a great situation to go into last year, though. That's that's fair. My guess here is that the Redskins are trying to do what the 49ers did to the Bears a few years back, where they acted like they might try take Mitch Trubisky just so that the Bears made a really dumb trade up in order to be able to, to grab him. I have a feeling the Redskins might be trying to raise the value of their pick so that maybe they can trade back and still pick up like, maybe they're not sold on Chase Young. Who knows, right? We don't know what this process looks like. Or they're wanting a guy like an Isaiah Simmons, and they figure, well, you know, if the Dolphins want um, to uh, make them trade up to number two, we'll take their number five overall pick, and we'll grab Isaiah Simmons there. So I have a feeling this is more about raising the value of their pick than it is actually any real buzz about who they might take. Uh, but 
You never know in the NFL, man. We just watched the Cardinals do it last year, trading away Josh Rosen and picking up Kyler Murray. So True. Yeah, I forgot that the Lions are third. I thought the Dolphins are third, so I mixed that up just now. But um, yeah, exactly, right? Especially when you see a coaching change happen. Um, so again, with Ron Rivera in the door this year, who knows, right? If, if he wants to uh, enforce his system there or set everything up from his standard um, and with his plan in place, maybe that plan doesn't have Haskins as a starting quarterback and maybe it's to start fresh with Tua. So exactly what we saw with uh, Kingsbury and Kyler Murray last year. So there's lots of things that could be happening in that Redskins locker room this offseason, that's for sure. Another one being um, bringing over Bradbury, uh, a cornerback from the Panthers that Ron Rivera had coached before. Um, apparently, the Redskins are interested in bringing him in. And uh, yeah, he might be one of the higher paid corners, according to what he's actually asking for on the market. He's seeking $15 million annually, which I don't know, seems like a bit of a stretch for him. Uh, just looking at who's actually making 15 in the cornerback market, it's, um, I don't know if it's, I, I wouldn't quite put him up in that category, but I'd be interested to see if Ron Rivera, again, knowing this guy, if he's going to go out and spend $15 million on Bradbury. That sounds like a really bad move to me. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> Honestly, when I saw in our show notes that the Panthers or the Redskins are wanting to bring in Bradbury, I was like, what the heck is that? And I had to go look and be like, okay, right. I have heard of this player, but yeah, he's not in the conversation as even really being a top five corner as, as far as I can tell. So that'd be a bit of a weird move, but I mean, I guess when does the tampering, the legal tampering period actually starts when, because some of these contracts will start, like we'll start hearing about some real numbers, some real offers in the next probably few days. Cause I think is it the week before free agency opens. Oh gosh. So like I can't by, by next Wednesday, we might start hearing about some of these numbers. I'd be shocked to see James Bradbury up in those numbers. Uh, but yeah. it, I, guess, I guess if Ron Rivera is that sold on him as a player, then that's, <laughs> well you figure um yeah 15 million would put him as the second highest paid corner and what's kind of funny is like um stefan gilmore is making like 13 and a half uh there's a bunch of other names here i'm just looking at the list now of highest paid corners that are up there that um yeah like some of the best corners aren't <laughs> in the top five highest paid so it could just be a supply and demand thing uh but Having said that, there's a lot of supply out there, and I don't exactly think Bradbury's the top of the list to your point. So um, I'd be really, really surprised if he makes $15 million per year. Having said that, though, there's a lot of news this week, as expected. Um, the tag uh, period is coming up soon. I believe it starts the 12th or something along those lines, or maybe it's... Um, I can't remember when that period is, but I think it's, uh, it's very close to free agency. Uh, the time when you can actually tag a player or when that period ends as well. It's very close to free agency. So there's a list of players that are either like going to be tagged um, or that expected to be tagged. So Chris Jones for the Chiefs, not a surprise whatsoever. We talked about that last week. It's it's a lock. The Chiefs want to keep him. He's probably the most important target for them in free agency this year. So keeping Chris Jones in their locker room makes a lot of sense. The Buccaneers keeping Shaq Barrett. Um, it's possible they franchise tag him. That would make a lot of sense. The Jags and Yannick Ngakwe. Um, what's interesting is they want to tag him and trade him, but he's saying that he's not going to sign a long-term deal with the Jags. Very interested to hear where he lands because it's a trade and not his free agency choosing. Uh, the Chargers are maybe going to franchise tag um, 
Henry, their tight end. The Bengals, maybe the, the AJ Green. franchise tag for tight ends is pretty cheap, too. I'm shocked that that's not something that's in conversation for the Falcons as well. Well, and that's what's weird is, again, Hooper, I think it was a couple weeks we talked about this, but Hooper sort of made it clear that there was no mutual interest between him and the Falcons. It looked like the Falcons had sort of let him know that they were parting ways. So it is weird why they wouldn't franchise tag him. And there's some other names on that list as well. I think the biggest shock for me, um, and like maybe it shouldn't be, like maybe I've I've been too hard on him, but I feel like I haven't been. The fact that AJ Green is legitimately a candidate to be franchise tagged for a few reasons. He's often talked about actually really enjoying being in Cincinnati. So the fact that they couldn't get a real deal worked out, um, if they can't, of course, that's a little weird if he does really want to stay there. But also, like, do you feel confident Franchise tagging a 32, 33-year-old wide receiver who He's only 31. Really hasn't oh 31, sorry, who really hasn't played a full season in two years now. Like, that's a risky move by the Bengals. So why would you sign them long term though? I think that's more of where the risk is. I think they see a lot higher um, value in signing him to oh, again a one-year deal franchise tag there. Again, you have Joe Burrow potentially being drafted or, or <laughs> we'll say him or Bur- uh, sorry Burrow or Tua that are being drafted number one overall right they're for sure bringing in a quarterback number one overall so I think AJ Green him being kept for one year sort of helps ease in that quarterback um, I, I think that would be the main reason for signing him to that one year and that if they're confident in him if he has a healthy year where um, everything looks good and they're comfortable signing him to another maybe two or three year deal I think that's when that happens but as far as I'm concerned that's the smartest move for the Bengals is just to uh to franchise take him yes it is a little bit more expensive but I I don't think that working out a long-term deal with him right now makes sense but I yeah I just wonder what long-term would have had to look like in his case but I guess that does make sense I just know that with Julio's contract being as high as it is that wide receiver franchise tag is not going to be super cheap and no, like it's honestly, not. <laughs> who knows? Who knows what? Like, I guess they have to tag before free agency. But I mean, if Amari Cooper, if somehow the Cowboys strike a mega deal with him, that just bumps the tag up even more. So, yeah, and I, I was mistaken there. I think the what I remember is due to CBA talks, what they're saying is the deadline for franchise tags would have been the fifteenth, and now it got bumped back to the seventeenth or something like that. There's well, so like many dates with this free agency. Yeah, there's so many dates with with. Uh, CBA and franchise takes and just so many different things kind of floating around. So I remember the the 15th and 17th in my mind. So that's what I'm going to say with 80% confidence is, is the case here. So yeah, all these guys, it needs to be completely locked down whether or not they will be franchise tag. So a couple other names on the list was Bud Dupree for the Steelers, uh, Brandon Sheriff for the Redskins. Um, that's another interesting one with uh, Joe Thune or Joe Tooney that we talked about last week. Um, both those guys are going to reset the guard market. So if Sheriff does get the, the franchise take there, that's going to change how Joe Tooney approaches free agency, I'm sure. Um, and then Matt Judon from the Ravens. So there's I a lot of franchise take I would not count out. I would not count out Joe Tooney as a franchise take candidate for the Patriots. That still would not shock me. Uh, he'd be probably the player who I would be the least surprised if he ended up getting it from that team. But of course with the Patriots, something like that's probably not going to leak out and they will not put the tag on someone until the last possible minute that they have to. So, 
Yeah, it's true. I've I can't remember. I don't think I've heard McCordy. But no, uh, I I'd be surprised because they picked up Jason McCordy's contract option today, which to me was them signaling to Devin like we want you back, so let's make this work. Okay, so you don't think that he actually? Uh, it's not going to be a short term deal. They might lock him up for the rest of his career, kind of thing. Oh, like I think it might. I think it'll be a short term deal, and it will be the rest of his career. I like. Yeah, he's been talking about retirement for a couple seasons now. This could very well be his last ride. Yeah. No. Uh, that that makes sense to me but yeah as always um there's always stuff to watch in the the off season and as we get closer to free agency as of today we're officially two weeks away so with all these um these deadlines coming up for the franchise tag and cba talks coming up there's so much to watch but those franchise tags are going to be very interesting i know especially um the, the top half of those names mentioned um chris jones would have been a huge name on free agency uh, or on the market and free agency. I mean, Shaq Barrett, same thing. Yannick Ngakwe, teams can still approach the Jaguars now about a trade there. So I'm interested to see what he actually costs the teams. But yeah, um, it's going to be very interesting to see who actually does get tagged from these teams. And if we have any moves like last year, where I think there were, what, two or three players that were franchise tagged and moved. So it's, uh, yeah, so much happens. It's not just a simple franchise tag. Like there's always so much news around these um these players that that do get franchise tagged and figuring out what their future looks like so uh yeah definitely excited to watch how that shakes up um the one last piece of news is that and this isn't really all that surprising but just thought it was something to mention the bears the colts and the patriots have all been in touch with the Bengals regarding andy dalton and the reason that sticks out is i think this is sort of confirmation that mitch trubisky is not safe as the quarterback for the bears um, for the Colts, it's interesting. I, I sort of assumed that it was a perfect pairing with them and a, a certain free agent quarterback. So to hear them sort of doing their due diligence on Dalton feels weird to me. Um, the Patriots, it makes sense. There's been a link there for a while, but not sure if you have any other thoughts there, Daniel. But I just thought those three teams specifically, some intrigued me and others did not. Well, it's just right, it's three teams with some real instability at the quarterback position right now. So all three make sense. Any Dalton to me, is probably the safest bet of QBs who are actually going to hit the market. Um, like we've said, we don't expect Drew Brees or Dak Prescott to actually get anywhere near being uh, true free agents with the franchise tag being an available option. So Andy Dalton, to me, is your best bet if you actually want to try to bring in a, a quarterback right now uh, who can help you like potentially actually make it to the playoffs and win some games. So it's not a surprise that these teams are looking into him. Yeah, and he isn't a free agent, though. That's the thing. So he Sorry, yeah. like it would have to be. But he's, a trade. he's very much available, though. Oh, absolutely. And I think every team is aware of that, right? It's uh, it essentially is like he's a free agent. Um, yeah, because he's like it is a determined contract already, and you don't have to uh, don't have to try and sign him to something. He's already got that contract in place. It's just a matter of negotiating it out with the Bengals. So. Um, and there the are always options his- of um of like trade with the caveat that he's going to take a pay cut or whatever. So we can't count that out either. Yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, that's a good point. Um, there's a lot of negotiations that happen in trades like that. So yeah, so much, so much to happen this off season. It's almost overwhelming how much has still left left uh, or still left to happen, and just the way different things can shake up, like. Um, I saw this article from the score today that said like Tom Brady truly is the linchpin for this offseason. There's just so many things that 
like no matter where Tom Brady signs, like the NFL will change, right? Like if he signs back with the Patriots, so many things will change. If he signs with the Raiders, so many things will change. If he signs with the Titans, so many things will change. So it, it's kind of interesting to see how much power that one player holds. But uh, obviously don't want to talk about that too much as Patriots fans. It's uh, quite frustrating. His antics on social media and some of his conversations and things we've seen him tagged in lately. But anyways, hopping into the, the top uh, list of free agents over the course of the past couple of weeks and going forward, um, we've got 10 more this week that we want to discuss and sort of break down where we think they could be headed. So number one on the list is uh, a feel-good story. Ryan Tannehill. Last year signs a, a, what, a one-year, $7 million deal with the Titans after being cut by the Dolphins. And yeah, he's, um, I think he's poised to make a lot more money this offseason. Yeah, I think Ryan Tannehill, for me, his landing spot could be deeply dependent on Tom Brady. Uh, because honestly, if I had to put my money on uh, a team right now who I think Tom Brady is going to, I'm saying it's the Titans. I think, like, I'm not saying that with 100% certainty, but I think he, I think the Titans are more likely than the Patriots or any other team in the league right now just because of the Mike Vrabel connection, the culture that's already established there. And that could really affect where Ryan Tannehill goes because I'm sure the Titans want to bring him back if they can on a not-insane deal because he's still not... This guy's not a top quarterback. This guy's not asking you for 30 or 40 mil a year. He's going to be getting a mid to like high mid tier starting quarterback money. So the, where Tom Brady lands will be really, really influential and where Ryan Tannehill ultimately goes, I think. Um, But the Titans also can't wait too long. If Brady's going to try to play out free agency, they wouldn't want to risk losing out on Brady and losing it on Tannehill. So, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what his negotiations look like as a 31-year-old quarterback who has shown flashes and last year looked good but not great. It's a bit of a weird situation. It is a really weird situation. And you, you said it perfectly, right? He had a good but not great season. Um, statistically, he had a 70.3 completion percentage when his yards per attempt were 9.6. That for itself is, is pretty great. Um, and that's all A.J. Brown. <laughs> I should, yeah, I should say pretty good, right? Um, not pretty great when we're talking about good versus great, but um, yeah, two thousand seven hundred forty-two yards, which is is again pretty good. Twenty-two touchdowns and six interceptions. So that ratio as well, um, considering what his ratio used to be when he was with Miami, that's uh, quite an improvement for sure. So um, yeah, completely agree that like especially because of all the ties from Brady to the Titans um, or of Brady to the Titans rather a lot (laughs) it's so hard to predict where Ryan Tannehill lands up if not with the Titans but to your point it's very interesting Um, if the Titans go out and get Tom Brady and spend you know a fortune going out to get him that means they don't necessarily have money to uh, keep Derrick Henry for instance or if they do go after Derrick Henry and give him a pretty big offer then they sort of spend all their free agency money in those two players. Um, so it's interesting to see how they're going to handle those. And the reason I bring that up, uh, despite the fact that I think Ryan Tannehill ultimately goes back to the Titans on a two-year, $52 million deal, um, the next player on our list here is one that, um, again, will <laughs> if he gets back to the Titans or not, will definitely depend on Ryan Tannehill's deal. Uh, one last thing on Tannehill. 
if he doesn't end up playing for the Titans, where do you have him going? Or, or give me like three places that you think he could end up. Ooh, that's uh, people have said I the think, Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots would not shock me. Um, I don't want like if Tom Brady's gone. Honestly, I think I would overall rather have the Patriots spend no money on the QB position and just try to win in other ways this year: defense, running game, whatever. Um, yeah, but. Tannehill to the Patriots wouldn't shock me. Um, Tannehill going to Chicago honestly wouldn't blow my mind as yeah. some, some real competition for Mitch Trubisky, who almost certainly would steal the job from him at some point. So I don't think he'd want to go there because of their commitment to Trubisky. Um, oh, like <laughs> going back to Miami if they don't want to draft a QB. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, no kidding. And I could also see, like, even if Washington wants to give Haskins, like, another year to develop, I don't know. He's such a hard player to peg down because I don't think anyone really knows who he actually is at this point. Yeah, I would agree with you. It really is hard to pick. Um, Obviously, the season that he had now makes him a lot more, um, he's going to get a lot more looks in free agency than he would have last year, for instance, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, think I also doing I, their I think one thing that's so important to his value right now um, is the fact that for the first time in many years, I think the NFL actually has more than 32 starting caliber quarterbacks, which makes it really hard to figure out, you know, where's the team that he could go? Because, right, if you, you even just go down the list, like, Okay, Buffalo has their starter. Miami probably has their starter. The Patriots might have their starter. New York Jets have their starter. Baltimore has their starter. Cincinnati is going to have Burroughs. Cleveland has uh, Baker Mayfield. Pittsburgh has um, Ben Roethlisberger. Houston has Deshaun Watson. Indy, maybe Jacoby Brissett. Tannehill could be an option there. Jacksonville has Gardner Minshew. Tennessee, of course. Denver has Drew Locke. Casey, right? You just go down the list, and every single team, you kind of have a starting QB linked there. That's just kind of where the yeah. league is at right now. So it's it's hard to place these guys hitting free agency who are not in that upper echelon of QB. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with you, right? Because of how many, again, how many different things could happen this offseason. It's so hard to predict the quarterback position. Um, yeah, it's just an absolute mess. There's so many quarterbacks available, both in the draft and in free agency and in trades potentially so i completely agree with you that teams are 100 percent evaluating the quarterback position right even if they're completely set at the quarterback position they, they still have to be doing their due diligence to say okay great we had a great starting quarterback last year but is there any way we can upgrade with the amount of players um or amounts of quarterbacks that we have and the caliber of quarterbacks we have in the market right now right teams I mean, could give Dak that look if he hits free agency but i doubt that that happens <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I think that's a 0% chance. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, the next name on the list, um, and one that will be affected by how the Titans approach free agency, is Logan Ryan. And I'll be honest with you, Daniel, I did not realize how good of a season he had last year for the Titans. Yeah, Logan Ryan has really developed into a quietly solid cornerback. Um, really, like, you hear really good things about his leadership. Uh, both on and off the field, like he's he's a football nerd. He could probably coach after his career. That's kind of what I've heard. Um, 
And I mean, as a former Patriot, that's not shocking. That tends to be the rap for a lot of their players. But yeah. no, he's he's actually hitting the market at a really good time. Um, we don't really know how new CBA is going to affect what contracts are going to look like. But at 28 years old and coming off a really, really good season with a lot of Patriots assistance on teams that could use cornerbacks, all of a sudden Logan Ryan is probably going to have a pretty aggressive market when, when uh, March 18th comes. Yeah, um, completely agree with you. And so we've talked about Byron Jones. We've talked about Chris Harris Jr., um, we talked about Josh Norman a couple of weeks back getting cut from the Redskins and him being, you know, on the free agent market. Um, Logan Ryan is right up there, I think, with some of the top corners uh, on the market right now. Um, and his 16 games started last year. He had four interceptions, 18 passes defense, four forced fumbles, which stands out. Um, he had four and a half sacks, 113 tackles, four tackles for loss, eight QB hits. Like he's all over the field and he's a cornerback. So for him to have, again, like 113 tackles is quite crazy, but uh, completely agree with you. He, he, From what I've heard, he has that leadership presence. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense, him going to the Detroit Lions, uh, where Matt Patricia, who is defensive coordinator of the Patriots, and Logan Ryan also being a former Patriot, um, I think he goes to the Lions, and I think they give him a four-year, $60 million deal. Um, I think at third overall, if they were to get Jeffrey Okuda from uh, Ohio State, Again, like look at the <laughs> combining those two corners would just be absolutely fantastic for the Lions, and I think that that's one area where they, um, yeah, it would really improve their defense. And and that's with not to mention that Darius, Darius Slay, Slay still there, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's assuming that they trade him, but um, yeah, if they do trade him and if they are looking for another veteran corner, um, I think Logan Ryan will definitely get the look there. Uh, not to mention, like you said, other teams where Patriot assistants have moved on to. Miami wouldn't be a shock if he stays in Tennessee. Wouldn't be a uh, yeah, wouldn't be a shock. So Giants, um, yeah, the Giants as well. Exactly. So um, that's kind of the interesting thing, especially as Patriots fans are able to actually, you know, look at this more effectively when it's a Patriot, just because we're we're a little bit more uh, in the know there. But it's yeah, there's so many different players that just what coaches have they worked with before? What assistants have moved on to be head coaches of different teams now? And where might there be ties um, for players moving on in their careers? So I think uh, Logan Ryan will go to a Patriot, former Patriot assistant team <laughs> this offseason. And ultimately, that'll be the Lions. But uh, there's another cornerback that's on the market that uh, I don't think I've heard his name too often this free agent or during this offseason period. But Bradley Roby is another interesting one. Yeah, Bradley Roby is kind of one of those weird, like he's shown flashes and he's had seasons where it looked like he could really be developing into something special, but he's just never really fully hit that stride as a top corner. Um, but he's hitting the market at like such a good time. Again, in his prime, 27 years old with the weird CBA. So who really knows what these contracts are going to look like? Um, and coming off of, of uh, an injury-shortened season, but definitely not a bad season at all. Two picks, eight passes defense, um, sack, a forced fumble, a couple tackles for loss. A guy who can get into the backfield as a corner is always a benefit playing in the nickel. So, And especially in today's NFL, nickel corners, their value is just going up and up because the slot receiver is becoming so important, right? Chris Godwin, one of the best receivers in the league, is in the slot. So you need guys to cover these types of players. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the dimension of speed is... Uh... Obviously a big focus for teams looking at receivers right now. Um, 
yes, you want to get that six, four receiver that can run stupid fast, but at the same time, teams are also looking to just get a lot faster from the slot. So, you know, getting a guy like this who can cover some of those speed guys in the slot. Um, yeah, it's, it's huge. Um, it's definitely a need of teams right now. So going out and getting yourself a, a Bradley Roby would not a bad, or would not be a bad move to, uh, to slow down some of those teams that are very fast there, like the chiefs, for instance. So, uh, for that reason, I see the Texans not wanting to let this guy hit free agency. And I see a, a, like a three-year deal worth about $36 million or 12 annual average. Um, is that too high to you? Uh, I Again, think like it's no, hard to but just because of the demand, way that... But... Yeah, just because of the way that NFL free agency works, I always assume that players are going to go for more than I would want my team to pay them because that's just... <laughs> as soon as guys hit the market their value increases because right it's, it's a it's a market yeah. <laughs> you have to outbid other teams if you want these players so that number seems um like it makes a lot of sense to me yeah like that 12 mil a year range he could even go a bit higher i still wouldn't be shocked if he went a bit lower the texans have been a good fit for him um but again like any any team in a in a division that has a scary slot receiver is going to want to get their hands on this guy because he is capable of covering slot receivers pretty well. Yeah, exactly. And, and he, he makes on, he makes plays on the ball as well. Um, I'm pretty sure it was him that picked off Tom Brady and took it to the house when they met earlier this yeah. past year. So um, anytime I see a player like that, <laughs> pick off Tom Brady and take it for a touchdown, I'm always quite impressed. So um, I think a lot of teams will be viewing him the same way. Uh, any any player like that that can make a play on the ball as well is always more valuable as a defensive back. So, um, yeah, I would imagine that he gets somewhere in the range of that 10 to 13 and a half range annual average. The next name on the list, again, we're just <laughs> talking a bunch of defensive players here in a row, it looks like. Um, James Bradbury. Uh, so we talked about him a little bit earlier. He's a cornerback for the Carolina Panthers and 26. So to your point, Daniel, right? He's young enough that he's hitting the market at the perfect time. Um, looking over some of his stats again, 15 games started, three interceptions, 12 passes defensed, one sack, 65 tackles, um, a tackle for a loss and a quarterback hit. So not outstanding stats, but uh, definitely had a presence on the field. Um it wouldn't surprise me if he goes to the Redskins. Having said that, um, we talked about it earlier. The Redskins appear to be interested in with Ron Rivera being his former coach when he was uh, when Rivera was with the Panthers. It would not surprise me to see him end up with the Redskins. Yeah, the 12 passes defense is the stat that really, really sticks out to me. Like That's actually a very high number. I know it doesn't sound high because it's less than one a game, but um, I, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but that wouldn't shock me if that was in the top. 10, top seven uh, for all corners in the league. So this is a guy who knows how to get his hands on the ball and, and how to make plays. So um, yeah, that 15 a year, obviously both of us are like, Ugh, that feels really high. But for a 26 year old with uh, a former head coach on another team, that just seems like such a good fit. The Redskins with the Josh Norman release freed up some cap space and uh, exactly, definitely yeah. made room for a corner to step right in. It wouldn't be surprising to me if there's already some tampering going on where Ron Rivera's had those conversations to see. Uh, so, yeah, I think him to the Redskins makes perfect sense in my mind to go and, and reunite with um, a guy who I think we can all agree is a very, very, very good defensive mind. So that 
as far as I'm concerned, seems like the perfect fit for him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's something to be said, again, for the level of confidence that a, a former coach will have for a player too. Um, so Matt Rule coming in may not know how to um, how to view Bradbury and you know like what his worth may be, but Ron Rivera, having seen him every day, having seen him in practice and training camp, um, you know through the season uh, for a couple of seasons that they were together, it feels like that's when teams invest a little bit more as well when they actually know the player, they're more confident to overspend um, or, or from our view overspend, right? So I don't, again, I don't see him going for 15, but I see him going to the Redskins on a three-year $40.5 million deal. Um, maybe other teams wouldn't necessarily pay that, but again, because of the confidence Rivera may have in Bradbury, I can see him getting that deal with the Redskins. If he goes anywhere else, I see it being uh, a little bit less. Yeah, the next name on the list, um, changing it up, <laughs> three defensive backs in a row, and now we're going to the linebackers, but um this is an interesting name. So Sean Lee from the Dallas Cowboys. He's 33 years old. So again, later in his career, not not in the prime of his career for sure. Um, so he played in 16 games last year, started 13 of them. He had one interception, four passes defensed, a sack and 86 tackles. So this guy's known for being all over the field, um, for being a leader on the Cowboys defense. I don't think teams will sign him as a... Um, you know, a, a starting linebacker necessarily, but I think he'll be a, a great role player, a great leader. Um, and I think he'll have the capability to come into a locker room and, and help some younger players. So I think that's what teams will be looking for from him. No, I mean, not to say that he can't compete for a starting job, but that's sort of the, the perspective I have for him going into next season. Are, uh, are you aligned with that or, or what do you think he can do this year? I, I just like, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know Sean Lee was a free agent. Because he feels so incredibly irrelevant at this point. Like, man, I, I don't even know. Like, obviously, he'll, there'll be some interest. He's shown over the course of his career that he's a capable uh, middle linebacker. Well, yeah, mostly middle linebacker. So the market probably won't be too strong unless there's teams, like, looking to bring in a veteran presence. But the league, I think there's always a movement towards younger players if you can get them. So, uh, yeah, trying to figure out like who might want to bring him in is hard. But I think for a guy who still is capable of um, maybe like athleticism wise, he's probably not a three down linebacker anymore, but, but to be able to play those first two downs and um, be able to still fly around and make some plays there, like he'll have a little bit of value. Um, but I honestly don't think I even know who would really want to bring him in specifically. Fair enough, yeah. Um, he's an interesting one to watch just because, um, you know, he has been a, a valuable player over the course of his career with the Dallas Cowboys there. He hasn't been one of the top linebackers in the league, but he's, I mean, when you're watching a Cowboy game, he always stands out. He's always making plays already, or uh, I mean, always all over the field. Um, so you have to respect the fact that he's, again, just a great athlete and, and can make a bunch of plays. Um, I remember seeing him have an interception on Jared Goff on, I think it was um, a se- uh, game late in the season last year. Anyways, I think he either took it to the house or took it uh, like just inside the five yard line or something along those lines. Like it was a great play that he had made. Um, so that stands out to me specifically, but I see him going to a team like the Cardinals. Um, I, I have in our notes here that I see him going to a contender. And for some reason, the Cardinals felt like a name that stuck out to me. Uh, I think that, 
Cardinals might be looking for some of that veteran presence. We saw it last offseason. They went out and they got Terrell Suggs, and that experiment didn't go too well. Um, they ended up cutting him. But I think the Cardinals do realize that they might need a little bit more leadership on the defensive front for a, a playoff run this year, if that's what they're looking to do, um, if they're confident in how their rebuild went last year. So it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up with a team like the Cardinals on a two-year, $14 million deal. So if that's why, if, uh, if you're questioning my throwing them into the Cardinals category, that's why. I think, that, again, they're going to look for some veteran presence on that defense to help out guys like Chandler Jones and Patrick Peterson and, uh, yeah, some of the other folks that are, that are starting to the already aging defense. defense. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, experience always helps, right? There. Having a player like getting a player like that doesn't hurt. I guess Patrick Peterson's up there in age. I always think of his him as younger. Same with Chandler Jones, but yeah, I don't know. I think it would definitely help their team to get a player like that. Um, another young, well, younger linebacker, uh, not the same age as Sean Lee, but uh, an interesting name is Kyle Van Noy. So uh, he's more of an outside linebacker, but 28 years old. Was a Patriot last year. Started 15 games uh, in the 15 games that he played. Three passes defense, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, 56 tackles, seven tackle for losses, tackles for loss, and 15 quarterback hits. Um, I, I think that he'll be one of the more touted linebackers this offseason. This guy feels completely primed to be horribly overpaid, if you ask me. I think he's a good linebacker, I, don't I would have bet a ton of money that you were going to say that. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I think uh, Kyle Van Noy is, is a very talented linebacker. Um, he like has a decent amount of athleticism. He's able to play honestly kind of anywhere from middle linebacker yeah. to four, three outside, even to a little bit of rush end. Um, like he has some pass rushing ability and he has the size to, to play there. So he definitely has a lot of versatility but he seems to me like your classic example of a Patriot who Bill Belichick knew how to use really well, who might be very, very hard for other coaches to get the same production out of. Um, of course, like impressive stats, definitely helped by the defense he was on. But like three force fumbles is nothing to laugh at. Seven tackles for loss is definitely nothing to laugh at. Um, and like, I'm not going to lie, I would love for the Patriots to get him back at a decent price. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, it's hard to know how to classify him because if you start trying to classify him as a three, four outside linebacker, all of a sudden that market, like you're looking at, yeah, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 per year, depending on how good you think he is. Cause I don't think anyone's going to put him in the top five conversation. Um, but if you see him more as like a four, three outside linebacker, then you're dropping down to like 10 mil. If you want to put him <laughs> at middle linebacker, then you're looking at again, that, 13 14 range so it really depends how you see him and that's the hard thing with his versatility um this is probably another guy who yeah to see him go to a, a team that has patriots connections wouldn't be shocking giants lions dolphins um but he's made it very clear that that he wants to get paid so i imagine that whoever wants to pay him the most money he'll be headed straight there yeah and i i've heard rumblings that he may take uh a team-friendly deal to stay with the Patriots as well, but obviously team-friendly is, you know, Relative. whose discretion is that at? Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm not sure what that would mean, and I don't know necessarily if the Patriots would prioritize him on their, their checklist. I think 
uh, Joe Tooney would be up there. I think Devin McCourty would be up there. Um, obviously Tom Brady as well. So um, I think that he will be leaving the Patriots this offseason. And like you said, I think it makes sense to go to a team that's going to know how to use him. Um, and that's witnessed how Bill Belichick has used him. So um, the Giants are where I ultimately see him going. Uh, the Giants have a decent amount of cap space as well. So for that reason, uh, they seem like the most fitting team. Um, and who knows if the Dolphins are going to approach free agency with the perspective to spend money bringing in a lot of these guys. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Dolphins just sort of have a similar year to last year where they just, you know, put a couple pieces together, but don't necessarily try to put the whole puzzle together. So I see him going to the Giants three years, $34.5 million deal. Um, Again, like I would say four, but because he's 28, because teams need to know how to actually use him, um, in what position is he best, right? Like where where do you want him in your defense? Where is he going to benefit you the most? So that's why there's there's some things that I just make me feel a little bit unconfident that teams will pay him that amount of money. But I, I figured it's a generally uh, fair range to put him in. The next, next one back, back on the list oh, yeah. is one that I like. If I if I don't know how to value Kyle Van Noy, I know even less how to value Corey Littleton. Um, dude has been impressive. Uh, like two picks, nine passes defense, two forced fumbles, three and a half sacks, 134 tackles. Dude flies around, six tackles for loss. A little undersized. Um, I think his playing weight's in the 235 to 240 range, which, I mean, that is today's NFL, but um, some teams still aren't, like, are wanting guys a little heavier than that. But I'm sure he'll have an active market. I'd have a hard time guessing his value. Um, because of all these, but like he's an inside linebacker, at least officially listed that way. Um, and that to me, like I imagine he's not going to get paid your like Bobby Wagner salary, but he could very much be in the conversation of becoming a, a top four, top three paid inside linebacker. Well, who's, who sets the market there? It's uh, Bobby Wagner is 18. Um, what's his name from the Jets? CJ Mosley is around 17. So, I mean, it would be. <laughs> It would be a huge vote of confidence from a lot of teams if they were to hand out that amount of money. But I completely agree. Um, I think he's probably one of the most underrated players in all of free agency this offseason. I really don't hear too many conversations about him, and, and that's a big mistake, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's had some productive seasons for the Rams, for sure. Um, and at 26 years old, I mean, if you can lock this guy in for six years, like, go do it. So his market will be, will be big. Um, quite frankly, you can never have enough linebackers in the NFL and especially linebackers who are able to just swarm to the ball like Corey Littleton can. Um, I imagine that, that his best suitors will be the ones who can come to offer this 26 year old, a massive payday. Um, But again, it's so hard to guess like which players are going to value winning over just getting paid or if they can value both at the same time. I know Adam, you have a prediction on him that would um, be playing towards that balance of both. Yeah, so where I ultimately see him going is actually the Baltimore Ravens on a, a four-year deal worth approximately $60 million. So um, it would not surprise me, again, to see him getting an annual average of $15 million per year. So no, it's not C.J. Mosley at 17 No, it's not Bobby Wagner at 18 But I think that he, he could be paid in that range of approximately 15 give or take, um, in that range, right? Um, I see him going to the Ravens because I think the Ravens understand that 
with a few extra pieces, um, they would have been a Super Bowl contender last year. I think they realized that a running back like Derrick Henry exposed them quite a bit in that uh, AFC divisional game. So it wouldn't would not surprise me if they what they did, um, you know, to uh, to beef up their defense going forward would be investing in Corey Littleton. Um, they don't have all that much cap space as of right now. They're sitting just under thirty one billion. So I mean, this deal would have a pretty big dent in that. But um, I think that they they'd be willing to make the space if they could get a player like this. So I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah no no reason to say they're ravens per se but um i would imagine that he would be pretty high on the, the rams list to keep as well but i know that uh yeah the rams have just under 15 million in cap space so they really don't have too much to work with right now so ravens four years 60 million dollar deal uh with a confidence level of five percent but his teammate from the rams uh Another, you know, rather versatile player is also a free agent this offseason and also demanding big money. Yeah, Dante Fowler has been a a, a bit of a weird NFL story. Um, his first few seasons were the, the definition of underwhelming. I think he missed was it his entire first season. He missed because of an injury. Um, yeah, he was and, a third overall pick in the uh, Taurus ACL in training camp. So that has put him in kind of an interesting situation and then really wasn't good uh, in his following seasons. And he was a former Florida Gator. So I loved the guy coming into the league and was so excited for him. But then four sacks in his first real season, eight sacks his following season, back down to four in 2018. And then last year just goes off and puts up 11 and a half. So kind of <laughs> joining the list of what if, pass rushers in this year's free agent class. He's a guy in line for a payday, 26 years old, crazy, crazy athletic for a defensive end, even after that torn ACL and coming off of 11 and a half sacks, you know that there's no way he's not about to just get a huge payday in free agency. For sure. Um, We talked about it with Eric Armstead, talked about it with Jadavion Clowney, right? Um, It's the potential, right? Teams are paying for the potential supply and demand uh, absolutely so that will definitely drive the way that these guys are getting paid but with with Dante Fowler um, I, I think it's safe to say that he'll make in the 15 range uh, annual average so ultimately where I have him going is the Jets on a four-year deal worth 60 million matching the exact same contract to score Littleton to the Ravens but that's uh yeah obviously one that a lot of people will have their different takes because Dante Fowler hasn't always been regarded as that um you know that big name defender a guy who's going to get a big deal like that so um yeah that's that's one again that uh the confidence level there is quite low but I would imagine that there is going to be a team that will overspend like that and it's going to depend on their defense too because a 3-4 team is going to want to line them up at 3-4 outside linebacker and have them maybe play off the ball a tiny bit, whereas a 4-3 team is just going to bring him in um, as a straight defensive end and run it that way. So we'll have to see even which kind of defensive team wants to bring him in because that'll change how he's used for sure. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, after talking about a bunch of defenders (laughs) tonight, uh, players where we think they're going to go from the defensive side of the ball, we're going to flip it back to the... Uh, the quarterback position for the last two names that we break down tonight. So Daniel, um, I'm going to let you do the, <laughs> do the talking on this next guy here. And uh, 
Yeah, Honestly, either hyping them up or maybe knocking Taysom them down Hill. a bit. Well, <laughs> so, so here's the deal. Um, if you want Taysom Hill as a quarterback, you're probably stupid because he's not. You want Taysom Hill for the versatility. You mean, you mean as a starting quarterback, right? Like, but like him as a backup Taysom, isn't bad. Taysom Hill is the reason that I believe the offensive weapon designation should exist. Um, <laughs> you, you don't want this guy to ever step on the field for every snap in the game as a quarterback. You want to use him in weird places to do weird things, to use his very um, versatile skill set to make plays to throw the defense off. So this is going to be a bit of a weird thing because it depends how he sees himself. And obviously he wants to talk like he's a quarterback to get paid like one. I imagine he's self-aware enough to realize he's not an NFL starting quarterback. So his market will be fascinating. Um, We've already seen teams proving that they want a Taysom Hill type quarterback a very similar style of player from the CFL, who was a bad CFL quarterback, dude cannot throw the football. He got signed by the Arizona Cardinals just because he has Taysom Hill's skill set. So that's proof that teams are wanting him. Jalen Hurts in the draft is being talked about as a Taysom Hill type player. This is what teams are looking for. That will drive his market, people wanting his versatility. He might get paid more as an offensive weapon than he would if he was a quarterback. Where he's going to end up, I think it'd be smart for him to stay with Sean Payton um, because he's the mind who knows how to use him. Of course, everyone will throw out Bill Belichick as another coach like that. Um, I imagine Kyle Shanahan would know how to use him well. A Sean McVay. You want, he wants to be with a good offensive mind who will know how to put him to use. His market is going to be so interesting to watch build up. For sure. And again, like you made a very good point, right? If you're paying him quarterback money, um, and, it, and if that's where you value him, then he's not going to be on special teams for you, I wouldn't imagine. And you might not put him at reps at receiver, right? Um, I mean, he had 19 receptions. Uh, like if you look at his stats on pro football reference, it actually lists um, his rushing totals, then his receiving totals. And then you actually have to scroll down a decent amount to find his passing totals. So from that view, um, a guy who you're paying quarterback money, you're not going to um, put out on the field in those situations, I don't believe. And that sort of restricts some of the value that Taysom Hill provides to your team. How many block punts did we see him have for the Saints this past offseason? Um, his athletic ability and just the ways that he can contribute are uh, so extensive across the board. So, again, I don't think that you can pay him a quarterback salary. But, I mean, it's it's hard to say. The difference between what money a quarterback makes versus money that your best special teamer might make or your like maybe third or fourth receiver. I don't know how you even want to evaluate him, but where I put it as uh, was approximately like two years and $20 million deal Uh, because he is 29. I think it just makes sense that maybe the saints don't lock him up too long, or maybe for him, he wants that franchise quarterback opportunity at some point in his career. So maybe he wants to sign a shorter term, but I think he stays with the saints and makes approximately 10 million annual average. Um, But even that sort of feels high. Because if he's not valued as a quarterback, you're not going to give, you know, a, a special teams player or like a sort of trickster receiver that much money. So, like, from a financial view, I feel like an idiot for putting this down. And I think, yeah, his market, again, will be so fascinating to see where those numbers land, because I don't think anyone really has an idea of what they should pay him right now. But then we have a QB on the totally opposite end of the spectrum. We have Philip Rivers, who everybody knows who he is. The Chargers have said for sure that they are moving on from him. Um, 
we've we've said a lot about Philip Rivers, so there's no reason to go too crazy in depth on him here. But um, it seems to me like he has a chance to go somewhere and have a solid year. Um, and I think everyone is linking him to one team. So Adam, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's the Colts. Uh, I think it's pretty clear no matter what media you listen to. Um, all of the rumors are that, you know, it just makes 100% sense that Philip Rivers goes to the Colts. Um, I saw some news over the course of the last couple weeks. Can't remember exactly when it was, but it was linking the Colts uh, to Rivers and saying that they were doing their due diligence on him. Um, I think that might have been at the combine, actually. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to see, right? Uh, if you're the Colts, does that mean that maybe you draft a quarterback this year as well? Um, or do you let Jacoby Brissett sort of sit behind Rivers for a couple of years? Um, obviously, Rivers isn't your long-term solution. I think he said that he'll, he'd only play for a maximum of two more years. So for the Colts to go out and get a guy like this, they, they'd have to be in a win-now situation or believe that they're in a win-now situation. And they'd have to have uh, the next quarterback in the building. So from an offensive line perspective, from a weapons perspective, um, I think there's a lot of reasons why it makes sense for Philip Rivers to go to the Colts. But I think the Colts should really think this through before they, they do sign him. Um, having said that, I see two years, $50 million deals for him, uh, two, $50 million deal for him to go to the Colts. Um, that 25 range, Daniel, that's probably one that doesn't, you wouldn't agree with, but I figured that the Colts would value him at that. And because they have so much money to spend, they might just say, yeah, sure. Yeah. I think that makes the most sense for where he'll likely land, what that number will probably look like. Um, and I, I really see no benefit in going any further than that with Philip Rivers. So let's hop Agreed. into our tweets of the week as we close today. Um, I think one thing that I mean, I'm, I'm an absolute draft head. I love watching the combine and everything leading up to it. And so um, I had my eyes glued to the TV a lot in this last week. And Twitter blew up with some of the combine 40-yard dash times that we saw. Yeah, exactly. Um, there were a couple names that specifically stood out. Um, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but the lineman from Louisville absolutely just destroyed all other offensive linemen as far as the the time of his 40 yard dash and some of his other um measurements i, I can't remember if it was his broad jump or what but i want to say mctai beckon or something along those lines uh tackle from louisville just absolutely um stood out and just i think he asserted himself into the top 10 for sure or that's where people are starting to evaluate him now so just like just rose through the ranks which is is great for him um, Isaiah Simmons, this is a guy that everyone talked about his on-field performances at Clemson and just said, okay, this guy's going to be a stud in the NFL. There's no question about it. And he tore up the combine as well. Um, a linebacker at his size having a 4.3940, pretty great. His broad jump was also one of the top for linebackers. And then his, uh, his oh, what's it called? Straight, like standing jump kind of thing uh, was also up there as well. So this guy's athleticism is just off the charts. And then uh, Ruggs the third, the uh, receiver from Alabama, also had an unreal combine. I think he uh, his forty was like a four point two eight or something like that. So it was just like Twitter was just going crazy when all these guys were setting the numbers that they did. Jonathan Taylor at the running back position um, with the forty time that he ran, I think it was a four point four one. So again, like I mean, it's the forty that really stands out to everyone. That's what where people go like, wow. Um, there's, there's one more when, guy who deserves a shout out on that too. Uh, Chase Claypool oh yeah. came into the week 
And yes. there were rumors that he was being asked to try out at tight end because of his size, 6'4", 240. He's a, he's a big receiver. And he went out and ran a 4'4", at that size. He, he will not have the same kind of meteoric rise that the DK Metcalf had last year, but this kid just, just made his name known as a guy who definitely needs to be in consideration on a, as a day two draft pick. Yeah, for sure. And he's a Canadian, so shout out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think he was a tight end at Notre Dame, wasn't he? Um, like in college, those roles get kind of blurred a little bit. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see um, what that time does for what NFL teams, uh, what positions NFL teams put him at. So, no, um, a, a lot of great talent out there in the combine just reinforces that, that there's so many great athletes out there that know they're, they're, they can't all be drafted in the first round, but there's just so many amazing athletic players that are out there that are coming into the NFL next year. And, um, and so there's a lot of players to be super excited about. So that's fantastic. Um, another tweet, if you're a Patriot fan, it's kind of a frustrating series of tweets over the last couple of days, but um, there's been so much analysis into this. It's like the, what color is the dress gold and or white and gold or blue and black, right? What did Tom Brady say? Um, so there's Julian Edelman, Jimmy Kimmel, and or is it Fallon? I can't remember. I think it's Fallon, Fallon. right? Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, my bad. Uh, yeah, so Fallon, Edelman, and Brady all sitting together at a Syracuse-North Carolina game. And Edelman says, he's coming back. He's coming back. And Tom Brady sort of turns and like looks at Edelman, and he just has like the most uncomfortable look on his face ever. And then kind of turns back, and then he melts something, but you couldn't actually hear what he says. So initially, it looks like not true or not. What did it? Oh. No, he's not. Yeah, no, he's not. So that's what people originally thought it was. Um, then there was also like maybe he's saying this guy, right? Something along the lines like of uh, you know, sort of joking with Edelman. Then audio came out, and he, it was something along the lines of like, oh gosh, I can't even remember what it was. I think it, it was, was a response got it, to Jimmy Fallon. It was seemingly talking about something else, but he, he was saying, yeah, he's got it. He's got it. Yeah. So just so much hoopla with that. And if like, if you're a Patriot fan or if you're a Titan fan or a Raider fan, like any team that he is being speculated to right now, honestly, you just turn off your phone and you wait for March 18th to come because everything in the Brady loop right now is just a huge piss off, <laughs> quite frankly. And it's like, just I don't have the patience anymore to deal with it because every day there's conflicting reports from so many different people and it's just absolutely absurd. But that was actually, you know, a point in time where it was just it was super confusing as a Patriots fan to know whether or not Brady was admitting openly in that setting with Julian Edelman that he wasn't coming back. Um, Julian Edelman has also been selling a bunch of merch that's related to Stay Tom Stay. Um, with his JE11 brand. So Julian Edelman's getting rich off this. Uh, Tom Brady's pissing off a whole bunch of people with this. So great time to be a Patriot fan. Yeah, we have a chance to see um, one of the greatest athletes of all time potentially moving on to a different team. And uh, we've seen LeBron James do that a few times in the NBA now, but uh, that doesn't happen very often in the NFL to see a player like this move on. So um, what happens over the next two weeks and then, depending on how long Brady actually plays this out during free agency is going to be really, really interesting to watch. And um, as always, we'll be covering that news, both as it breaks over uh, the next couple of weeks until free agency. And um, I'm sure Adam and I will be here to probably cry uh, on recording if he signs elsewhere. So 
<laughs> it'll be an entertaining time for all of you. Um, yeah, we'll be continuing to cover free agency uh, until it hits. And then, of course, talking about all the contracts and our thoughts on them when those start to get signed in just a couple of weeks. Um, but until then, we'll see you all next week.